From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me again is Jennifer Shutt, who covers the appropriations process for CQ. Thanks for being here, Jen. Thanks for having me. Well, we've got a particularly busy week ahead, and all eyes will be on the Senate floor. The Senate plans to take up its first batch of spending bills for fiscal 2019 in what will be a test for whether appropriators can maintain the broad bipartisan support they have won for their bills so far. And a showdown vote looms on President Trump's request to cancel nearly $15 billion in previously approved spending, the so-called rescissions package. And don't look now, but the House Budget Committee may actually try to write a fiscal 2019 budget resolution, though it may not get far. So a lot to talk about and keep track of, but let's start with this budget resolution because the betting has been that we won't see a budget blueprint get adopted this year. So what should we make of this, Jen? So we've been tracking the budget resolution process for several months now, and typically the budget resolutions are marked up and adopted in each chamber right after the president's budget request comes out. They're supposed to be the sort of first tax and spending blueprint that sort of guides the authorizing and appropriating process for the rest of the fiscal year, and that just didn't happen this year. Part of the reason is that we already know the discretionary top-line numbers. Those were reached in February by congressional leaders. And so the appropriations committees in each chamber have known how much they have to spend and have gone through with that. So there's less pressure now to do a budget resolution. Correct. There are still going to be a lot of complicated issues that House Budget Chairman Steve Womack, a Republican of Arkansas, has to deal with, including how exactly to write reconciliation instructions in this package. And those reconciliation instructions are, of course, that sort of procedural step that allows fast-track consideration in the Senate. And he would want to do that to get some some cuts passed to mandatory spending programs? Possibly. There's a whole lot of different things they could do with reconciliation instructions, although it's important to note that there's no real indication that the Senate Budget Committee plans to mark up its own budget resolution this year. And of course, those reconciliation instructions don't become final until Congress formally adopts a budget resolution. So if just the House budget resolution has reconciliation instructions, those won't really matter if the Senate doesn't agree to those reconciliation instructions with their own budget vote. And the Senate doesn't seem eager to take up a budget resolution, partly because it's an election year, right? Right. The budget resolution this year wouldn't really do a whole lot for Senate Republicans. It would be a very tough vote heading into the midterm elections, and it would take up a considerable amount of floor time. And one of the things we've seen from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is a lengthy list of issues that he wants to work on throughout summer and autumn leading into the November elections. And so I just don't see anywhere in that list that he has where a budget resolution would fit in or where he would want to spend floor time, which is pretty valuable in the Senate, on a budget resolution when it doesn't actually advance his cause anyway. And it opens them up to a slew of amendments, this open-ended amendment process that they call a votorama that can do some damage on the campaign trail for them this fall, right? Right. So when the House brings its budget resolution to the floor, it's very easy for them to put it under a closed rule where no amendments are allowed to be debated and voted on, or a structured rule where the Republican Majority Rules Committee determines which amendments go to the floor, and so they avoid any really contentious, tough floor votes for their members that way. That is not how the Senate floor process is set up for a budget resolution. They have that marathon 
budget resolution amendment voting session, which is referred to as a votorama. And there can be a lot of really tough votes taken in there for lawmakers. And that is something that I think obviously members, possibly uh, Republicans and Democratic leaders, want to avoid in the Senate this year. So bottom line, the House Budget Committee may take this up this week, but if the Senate doesn't plan to do one, how far is this going to get? Not very far. Okay. Which brings us to the Senate floor, where we could see a lot of drama this week. Uh, So, Jen, let's first talk about the spending package that they're going to bring up. What's in it, and how do you expect that to play out? This is going to be a really fascinating process. Uh, We here at CQ are really interested to see how this works. So Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is bringing up the House-passed three-bill spending package that includes the military construction, VA, legislative branch, and energy water spending bills. Those are, on the whole, very non-controversial spending bills. And so the House passed that legislation a couple weeks ago. He's going to swap in the Senate Appropriations Committee's versions of those three spending bills, which are much more bipartisan than they were on the House side. And then there's going to be some type of amendment debate throughout the week and possibly into next week on the Senate floor over this spending package. And it's going to be really interesting to watch in terms of how much unanimous consent can get on amendments and in terms of senators objecting to other amendments. One of the things we saw last week on the defense authorization bill was Republicans objecting to Republican amendments and a lot of infighting in the Senate Republican conference over what amendments should get debate in a vote, what amendments should be tabled. And we actually saw Senator Bob Corker go to the floor and almost sort of yell at his colleagues from the Senate floor, which is somewhat of a rare occurrence these days. For the last year and a half, under leadership uh, McConnell, we have had one amendment vote. We've been here a year and a half, and because... Senators, United States senators that are elected by the people in their state don't want to cast a tough vote. They block everybody from voting. I have no idea why Rand Paul cannot get a vote on his amendment. It is ridiculous. He's been trying to get a vote on it for years, years, and we block it. Why is that? The senators haven't been all that cooperative this year on on amendments and and getting spending, a spending package passed is going to require her amendments. Correct. And one of the things that we've seen in the Appropriations Committee on the Senate side is Chairman Richard Shelby, Republican of Alabama, and Vice Chairman Patrick Leahy, Democrat of Vermont. They have been very statesmanly, and they have been saying, we aren't going to put any poison pills on these spending bills. We are going to write them in a bipartisan manner. We are not going to authorize on spending bills. We are going to be, you know, classic, traditional Senate about this process. And that has that has developed a lot of goodwill among members of the Appropriations Committee. And so they're really hoping that when they move to the floor, that goodwill and those sort of rules of no authorizing and no poison pills are held up by their leaders on the floor. Yeah, and it shows, too, that both the House and the Senate have now abandoned the practice of taking up each of the 12 spending bills that fund the government individually. They're doing them in these small batches, these three-bill packages like this one, um, in an effort to save time. So could we see any of these become law before the new fiscal year starts on October 1st? I definitely don't think we're going to see all 12 of the fiscal 2019 bills become law by October 1st. But I have a lot of optimism for this spending package. The energy water bill, the military construction VA bill, and the legislative branch bill, especially when you look at the policy language from the Senate Appropriations Committee, 
it's pretty non-controversial. And I feel like if the Senate can get unanimous consent and have a really good bipartisan debate this week and get that bill across the Senate floor, they go to conference and it's not even July yet. That gives them three full months to conference these bills. What remains for the other nine bills, I think, is is sort of a bit more up in the air. And history would suggest the odds are pretty good that most of them don't get passed in time. Correct. Okay. And let's not forget now, we have a big showdown vote this week, most likely over Trump's rescissions request. That's this effort to cut previous spending by nearly $15 billion. Where do things stand on that? And what's the betting on how this fares in the Senate this week? We haven't gotten a really good sense lately of how the vote on this rescissions package is going to take place. The full CQ team has been talking with Republicans and Democrats a lot. And we the most common answer we've heard is that members from both political parties, predominantly Republicans, have some concerns about it and that they're still continuing to look through it. Right. One of the one of the particular areas we're watching is if you lose a few Republicans they decide to vote against this package. There could be some Democrats who vote for it, but that seems very unlikely. And with the Senate margins right now, they really can only lose one member of the Senate Republican conference and still have this bill. They only need a simple majority to pass it. But even a simple majority is looking like an uphill struggle, right? Correct. I mean, Democrats seem fairly united in opposition from what we've heard. Correct. So it's a matter of a few wavering Republicans who could tip the balance one way or the other. Correct. Uh, and and w- why are these why are these Republicans wavering? Where where's the where's the rub here for them? There's a lot of concern over how, particularly among appropriators, how doing a rescissions package right now would impact the spending bills later on. One of the things that is relatively common is that lawmakers do a lot of rescissions every year in these annual appropriations bills, but they then take that money and move it around to other accounts to stay within those spending caps. Mm -hmm. And so if they do this roughly $15 rescissions package now, they don't have that $15 billion later on this year when they're trying to sort of do some internal accounting within the annual appropriations bill. So that's a concern among appropriators. There's also some concern from moderate Republicans about the rescission for the children's health insurance program. And that's almost half this package. Yes, that's, yes. um, But also we know that in the long term, that wouldn't really be a big impact on CHIP, according to the CBO report. Okay. So it's a busy week, and we'll be watching to see what happens on these major bills, which CQ will be covering for you. My thanks again to Jennifer Shutt, our expert appropriations reporter, for joining me again. Thanks, Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your CQ budget tracker. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by reading your daily CQ budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or NPR One. And for more budget news, you can visit rollcall.com or cq.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at Roll Call. See you next week. 